Well, this evening we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 7. And let me start with a, with a high-speed flyby overview of Proverbs before we get into chapter 7. So Proverbs has 31 chapters. And since there's 31 chapters, if you read a chapter a day, you can read it in a month. And it's well worth reading regularly. I'd suggest a couple times a year to read through the book of Proverbs. Uh, and the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It is written by, primarily by King Solomon, who is the wisest man on earth. And he was wise because God gave him wisdom. And you can read about that in 1 Kings chapters 3 and 4. And there is only one that was wiser than King Solomon, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Proverbs is mostly comprised of single-verse Proverbs, little bits of wisdom that are really randomly uh, placed within the book, with the exception of a few uh, clusters of verses that make up a, a concise piece of wisdom. And I think it's designed this way because many Proverbs have a broad application to all sorts of subjects. So if you're digging in, you're getting a little bit of many different things that would apply to a particular subject. And I've, one subject that I've found Proverbs particularly, particularly helpful with is that of parenting. But Proverbs 1 through 9, those chapters are a little bit different. They consist of just a, a consistent chain of thought with some reoccurring elements. And the whole book really deals with a lot of contrasts, the contrast between wisdom and folly, between righteousness and evil, between life and death, and many other contrasts. Proverbs chapter 7 can be broken down into three sections. There's the introduction, which would be verses 1 through 5, then the story, which is verses 6 through 23, and then the conclusion, verses 24 to 27. So we'll, we'll start by reading the introduction. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commands, <clears throat> my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the the forbidden woman from the adulteress and her smooth words. Let's pray, and then we'll look at the rest of the text. Father in heaven, Lord God, we thank you that we can gather together and learn from your word. Lord, thank you for this precious book that imparts wisdom uh, in a particular way. And Lord, we ask that as we look at this chapter, and, and uh, Lord, that you would work in our hearts, that you'd help me to clearly convey your truth as presented here, and that 
It work in our hearts in such a way that we wouldn't just be hearers, but we would put into application the things that we learn. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read the remainder of, well, actually, before I do that, so, yeah, no, I want to read the remainder of, of this uh, chapter. So, verse 6. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice and have seen among the simple. I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the time of night and darkness, and behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily at heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him, and with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloe, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. A full moon, at a full moon, he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. Or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know what it, that it will cost him his life. And now, O oh sons, listen to me. To be attentive to my word, the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way of Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. You may have seen that the title of my message tonight is The Simple Plus the adulteress equals death. And even at a, at a quick reading of this passage, you may be able to see where that comes from. Also, it is plain from this story that it refers to sexual sin. But I believe we can learn much about the allurements of all kinds of sin here. We will work our way through the, the story, starting with verse 6. For at the window of my house I have looked. 
out through the lattice. And this is a story, but this is a story that happens frequently. And we, like the son, need to listen. The father is looking out the window at the world outside. And he continues. And I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Now this is not just for young men. It's for women and it's for the old also. Now it does refer to young men lacking sense because, forgive me young men, but typically young men think they know a lot more about life than what they really do. And so they lack sense. But again, everyone can lack sense. And we all do at times. As the story goes on, we will look at seven bad choices that lead to death. This describes a progression of choices, but some may be skipped or rearranged, or some may not even apply to the temptations that face you. But with each choice, there is a, a lessening likelihood of turning. The likelihood of turning is diminished. So bad choice number one. Choose to casually approach danger. Passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house. There isn't any indication that he is looking for what he found or if he was out for just an innocent walk. But perhaps at least curiosity is what he would come across, what he was looking for in his path. You may have heard the saying, curiosity killed the cat. Can you relate to toying with danger? Bad choice number two. Choosing a time of vulnerability. Verse nine. In the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. This is when he would be most likely to find what he was curious about. This is also free time. This is time of idleness. This is when he had time to explore. When is your time of vulnerability? How do you spend your downtime? Do you use it on worthless things, even damaging things? Do your thoughts go to a dark place in your heart? The Apostle Paul has something to say about this. In Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21, he writes, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, 
but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This passage rings of the message of Proverbs. Here is something to do with your time. Bad choice number three. Choose to look and go where danger calls. Verse 10, and behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner, she lies in wait. Here the adulteress comes out and quickly catches his eye. What should he have done? They meet. I said earlier that we could learn about the allurements of all kinds of sin from this passage. What sins are you repeatedly tempted towards? Sexual pleasures? Here it says that she is in the street in the marketplace, on every corner. She is everywhere. Today, that is literally true. We have access to whatever we want in our pocket or in our purse. Is it stuff that you want? Are you in debt up to your eyeballs, yet keep spending money that you don't have? Is it power and control that you want? Food you shouldn't have or eating to excess? Is it alcohol or drugs, even prescription drugs? Is it entertainment for hours on end? And the list could go on and on. Or do you just want to have it your way? As Jesus prayed to his father in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, not as I will, but as you will. Is that your attitude, your desire? The truth is, temptation is everywhere because temptation is not dependent on our circumstances. Do you believe that God is sovereign over your circumstances? Listen to what James 1, verses 13 and 14 says. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted 
when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. It's our own desires that bring on temptation, and we cannot escape our own desires. They are with us everywhere. Bad choice number four. Choose to give in to sin. She seizes him and kisses him. She has got him, and she is not going to let him go. She is taking him to the pit. Choice number five. Choose to listen to the seductive appeals for a deep commitment to sin. And here we're going to see six different appeals. And I would think that some of these appeals may have been with the young man even before he stepped foot out onto the street. These appeals come from our own hearts. They're nonsensical reasoning to convince us that submitting to temptation is an acceptable thing. And with a bold face, she says to him, and this leads in to the appeals. The first appeal, A, the appeal to religious approval. Verse 14. I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. In some twisted way, this is an appeal. Perhaps today it could come from Romans 6.1, which says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Of course, the answer is no. But maybe the answer can be yes, just this time. Also associated with sacrificial offerings, there is food. And who can resist a nice meal? The second appeal, B, the appeal to ego. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. She implies that he is special. You are the one that I was looking for. Does the world tell us that we deserve this? Whatever you want, you deserve it because you are so special. C, appeal to comfort. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens with Egyptian linen. These are very special luxuries, a couch and Egyptian linen. You need to experience this comfort. D, 
the appeal to the senses. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. What draws you? Maybe it's the scent of perfume, or maybe a nice steak barbecue, or the sound of a roaring engine, or certain types of music that stir an ungodly desire. E, the appeal to full extended pleasure. Verse 18 says, Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. And then F, the appeal to safety. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his bag of money with him. A full moon, he will, at full moon, he will come home. Nobody is here. Nobody will know. Is there a, ever a time when nobody knows? And does our sin not affect others? Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place. He keeps watch over the evil and the good. And the thing is, he sees even into our hearts. Is that a frightening thought? Well, the sixth bad choice that leads to death is to choose to be persuaded. In verse 21, says, With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. And then the seventh bad choice is total surrender. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes to a, into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. It is over. Death is sure. And this is such a sad story. But we see in the concluding verses that it's even sadder. Verses 26 and 27 say, And many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way of Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. This happens again and again. James puts it this way, Continuing on from James 1, 13 and 14, which we read earlier, James verse 15 says, Now desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. There you have it. The wages of sin is death. But I have good news. 
If you know Jesus Christ, you are not this simple man. We go back up to verse 7. It says, I have seen among the simple. And the meaning of this word, the simple here, is destitute of understanding. Or, as it's expanded on even in the verse, it says, lacking sense. That is not you if you belong to Jesus Christ. In Christ, we have a new heart and a new mind. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you are in Christ, you listen to the Father, to the wise Father. And he said in verse 24 and 25, And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. Notice that he says, do not let your heart turn aside, not your feet. It starts in your heart. This exhortation will not work for the simple because the heart of the simple is unrestrained. But now, but not so with the wise. And we will see. Let us go back to the beginning of the chapter. Chapter 7, verse 1. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. You say, and have the Father's commandments with you always. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Memorize them. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. Wisdom is to be your closest friend. But what are his commandments, and what is wisdom? Proverbs chapter 2 will help. So if you want to turn over to Proverbs 2, we're going to read the beginning of Proverbs 2. And it starts out very similar to Proverbs chapter 7. It says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, Make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then listen carefully. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints.
to those who call out for insight, who raise their voice for understanding, who seek it as a treasured thing. Those who want the truth will find it in God. They will find the knowledge of God, and this is a gift from God. Here is wisdom, and here is salvation for his saints. The Lord Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verse 3, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. True wisdom comes from knowing, from the knowledge of God, and the knowledge of God includes the knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ, who he has sent. Do you know God, the heavenly father, and Jesus Christ, his son? If you don't, I urge you, call out to him today. Trust him and know this wisdom, true wisdom that only comes from him. Don't be the simple who lives a life that only leads to death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For those of us who know God, we have assurance of salvation and that we will not experience death, eternal death and punishment for our sin, as the simple does here. But we can still fall into temptation that is bound up in the remnant worldly desires of our hearts. God has given us many ways, many tools to deal with these desires. And here are just a few. First and primarily, he has given us the Holy Spirit, the helper. As the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk in the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He has also given us his word. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And he has given us each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 and a little bit of 13 says, Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all. And we always have Jesus, who we will celebrate in a few minutes as we remember his body and blood given for us. We have the gospel, and we need to preach it to ourselves daily. 1 John 2, 1 and 2 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. 
He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I want to conclude by reading the the last two verses in Proverbs chapter 1. And this is the end of a section where wisdom is crying out loud that starts in verse 20. And it is quite a contrast to the call of the adulteress. So wisdom concludes. For the simple are killed by their turning away. The complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord God, what a gift you have given in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a gift you have given in giving wisdom that only comes through knowledge of you and your son. Thank you for giving the Holy Spirit as our helper. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us one another. And Lord, there's so many other means of grace that you've given us to turn from sin and temptation. Lord, we ask that if there's any among here today that don't know you, Lord, God, that you would open their eyes to these truths and they would put their trust in Christ. And Lord, for us who do know you, Lord, help us to be quick to turn from the desires of our heart that may lead us towards sin. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.